Okay, if you haven't gotten a handout, there's one on the back seat there. Please make sure you pick one up. It's the one from last week. And we want to continue in our study of um, this whole area of the um, doctrines of demons. And uh, last time we got together, um, we uh, started into looking at this whole area of temptation. And you know, um, there is uh, there's a whole... Um, I mean, the application side of this of this study is is uh, really gargantuan in our lives because each one of us have um, challenges every day, don't we? And uh, we are we are individuals who have uh, a natural um, component to who we are. God's created us that way. We have different thirsts. We have different appetites. We have different affections. We have different kinds of things that that make us tick. And you know what? All of them are good. But um, the adversary also knows um, which which of those things um, are sometimes um, our greatest challenge in our life, uh, doesn't he? And he knows um, based upon watching over time, um, you know which of those areas we struggle with. So we're going to talk a little bit more. My, my intent today is to go um, through this a little bit quicker because I really want to work through all of uh, what we had to cover today. Um, so I want you to stay with me. Um, but on the other hand, I want to make sure that um, as we go back and unbundle this uh, lessons from the master, we, we said, let's understand, you know, if we had a role model or somebody to look at as to who lifted the weight of temptation unequivocally, fully, never gave into it, and therefore struggled with it more than we ever will, it will be Jesus, it will be Jesus Christ, won't it? Um, because he uh, wasn't like us in the fact that he gave into it. So that has to tell you what? That he held the weight of temptation uh, much longer than we ever will and, and have, and therefore struggled with it to a, to a level that we may never actually personally experience um, and, 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 and didn't give in. And so how do we understand and learn from him? Well, turn with me to Matthew 4. And last, last time we got together, uh, we looked at... Uh, these um, uh, these three uh, uh, temptations here, and we started. We we got through the first one, so we enter into chapter four. <clears throat> um, he says, uh, "Then Jesus was led by by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he became hungry." So we said, first of all, <clears throat> this this the backdrop to this um, context is chapter three, <clears throat> which he says that. Uh, uh, his uh, his appointing uh, his his his, his uh, public appointing by God the Father is a, is a is a physical and a, an expressed um, message to those who <coughs> who were in the who were there to hear that he is Jesus Christ is God's beloved Son and that he's in him he is well pleased and so this public declaration if you would of after his baptism. Um, by John, enters us into chapter 4. And Jesus led him into this wilderness. You know, um, all of us have wildernesses in our life, don't we? Um, and, and almost invariably, don't, don't, don't miss this, is that, is that uh, uh, this temptation comes on the backdrop of, of, one, of, the clo- of one of the greatest you know, situations that occurs. So a high, 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 um, in a public kind of a, of a fashion, many times will lead to an opportunity to be tempted, and uh, and so 
intimacy with God, a close intimacy with God, and, and, and high highs in our life from a balanced perspective, almost invariably, uh, get ready, because it's coming. Um, and, and it's almost invariably when we're alone, it's almost invariably when we're in the wilderness <laughs> that, that, that the tempter shows up. And so, in this situation here, uh, God led him into uh, the, the wilderness for a purpose to be, quote, enticed to do evil by the accuser, the slanderer, the maligner, the devil. And it happened after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. So this incredible level of intimacy that he, he was experiencing with God for 40, 40 days of um, you know, some of the highest personal experiences he's, he's going through um, in, in, in communion with God the Father, um, became hungry. So after that, he became hungry. Not during that, but after the 40 days were over, he became hungry. And and at that point in time, it says, verse 3, And the tempter came to him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So what we saw here is that the scope is personal. Um, uh, there are three kinds of, uh, I'll call it uh, three uh, groupings of temptation that John, uh, in his letter to First John, First John, uh, speaks of, and and interestingly enough, you know, we find out that the, that that Hebrews that Jesus Christ was tempted in what always like like we are. So does that mean like I mean every single temptation he went through that 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 we that we've gone through he's going to go through? I mean every single one of them. Everyone. Well, well, it couldn't be, right? Because, I mean, he couldn't have had the exact same experiences and everything that we've got, right? I mean, the exact same temptation, probably. Um, so so what, might it, what might it mean? It might mean, I think it has everything to do with the fact that in every way he was tempted like we are, meaning in, in, in these major three categories that summarize um, all temptations underneath those, those three pillars, or those three components, those three types, um, he was fully tested to, 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 to the end uh, within each kind of temptation. And so this first one here is, is, is what we call lust of the flesh, John says, lust of the flesh. And he says, if you're hungry, uh, you are hungry. If you are the Son of God, make these uh, stones become bread. And the whole point here is, you're hungry, there's a solution here, <laughs> Why don't you go do it? Satisfy yourself. Indulge yourself. Now, is eating bad? No. no. So, what, what, what's the sin in this, in this particular first section? Spent the fast. But the reason was that... For communion and intimacy with God. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, so what's, the, what's the sin that occurs here? What's really going on? We're trying to separate him from God. Sure, that's what that's what Satan's trying to do through the temptation, right? But what is the temptation in this context? Okay, the, the, the tool, the tool is food. Desiring something? Desiring something, okay. Desiring something that what? Go ahead. I just said, what about Okay, okay. So pride, I think we're going to get to pride on the second type of temptation. I, I think that kind of a thing, though, is laced through all these. Because... What we're going to learn is that pride is the basis for all the temptations. So that's a very good point you bring up. Desire to do, feel, I mean, hungry. Right. 
And food would make him feel better. Right. If it's lust of the flesh, then food is going to satisfy a desire. Right? It's going to satisfy um, uh, something I want. Something to fulfill me. To, to, to fill me up. To, to, uh, to satisfy a longing that my body has towards being fulfilled. Okay? So that's, that, that's the temptation that's going on here. Is that wrong in, in his situation? Is it wrong for him to want to have that? Is, is that longing wrong to have, to want to be to eat after you're hungry? Well, the way it was offered, it was wrong. Okay, can you explain what you mean by that? Um, talking about uh, being offered, right? Right. Yeah. Bread. Uh, the part that was wrong is that Satan wanted Christ to bow down to him. Okay. To, uh, I don't see needing food as a sin in itself, because that's what sustains us. Uh, the fact that Christ was expected to bow down to Satan, that was... Okay, but in this in this verse, he doesn't say to bow down to me. He just says, "Why don't you do a trick for me?" He just to build on it. He seems to be forcing Jesus to prove who he is. Okay, as if he had to prove who he was. Okay, like you know, Dick, you're really you know you can retire if you can throw as far as you think you can throw. Let's see you throw. Okay, so he's trying to prove, get Christ to prove who he is. Okay, okay, I'm sure that has a has a part to do with it. Absolutely. I mean, Jesus Christ is is hungry now. And he has this, um, what's the context that, that's been built around this? Remember last week we said there's, it's, it's really important for us to do what? To understand the context around the situation, right? Context, because if we're in here making decisions, and we don't understand the context, we're probably not going to get it right, because we're going to see it wrong, right? So the context right now, what we're seeing happen in chapter 4 is that, that he's gone through this 40 days, he's had communion with God, uh, he's hungry, but has God given him food to eat yet? No. No. No, he hasn't. And so, the temptation is what? The temptation is to, is to, is to, is to go out from underneath the umbrella, okay? Remember the umbrella? Here's the umbrella of, of life, right? Of the situation, of the context. Contract says that I'm hungry, right? And I'm in the wilderness. And who led me in the wilderness? God. So, am I in the right place? Yeah. Is there food here? No. So then what? Wait. Wait. Don't try to get out from underneath the umbrella. Follow me? Because if I try to get out from underneath the umbrella, I'm, I'm going to a place, right? That is now not underneath his hand. So, spiritual eyes bring clarity that the circumstances I'm in, right, are within God's sovereign hand and for my good. Because he hasn't chosen to change this. You know, if I'm a single person, and I'm underneath the umbrella of singleness, and God has not chosen to give me some a, a wife, then am I going to go change that situation? personally, to move out from underneath that context of God's sovereign hand in my life? Well, I can do that, but you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some problems that are going to haunt me for the rest of my life called guilt and sin and everything else, right? See what I'm saying? See how subtle it is? And, and, and the whole point here is for me to use my own resources, 
My own re- what were Christ's resources? Well, he could call down a thousand angels. He could make the stones. Do something to change in and of yourself the situation you're in as opposed to what? Trust God within the situation. That he led me in this place. I am in the context of his sovereign hand. And that he will provide. If I just look to him for, for the resources. And you know what? If he doesn't, then I'm okay with it. Follow me? I'm okay with it. And I'll wait until he does. Follow me? So, it says here that um, uh, is not is to not trust him. This manifests itself in our lives by trying to get out from underneath the difficult circumstances in our lives versus trusting or seeking God in the midst of them. When we're when we're under the umbrella and the umbrella is like really difficult, you know, and we're trying to like, you know, I want everything to do but get out from underneath it. I, I want it, I want to get out from underneath this. I don't want to stay underneath it. I want to do my own thing. I want to try to push this, do that, whatever. He says, rest, be still, trust me. Am I sovereign? Am I, am I a good God? Do I have your best interest at heart? Rest. Wait. Let me be God. Follow me? Huge. Huge. Carl, we, you and I talked about this, you know, in, your, in the context of your, your situation, right? Can you, can you share just maybe even a, a little bit about that? Um, I hate to put you on the spot, but... Yeah. I'm going to mention what I did yeah. last week about yeah. So we were talking about working through the process yeah. and, and trusting God for our situation. Yeah. And currently uh, looking for a job. And so uh, last weekend I got just kind of overwhelmed with depression and that. And so I um, decided to get away for a couple of days and I went to a park house and I just spent a lot of time word and reading and trusting. But uh, literally after the two days, um, I had a real sense of calm and realizing that, you know, that I can trust God in every, in every little detail. God can meet all our needs. Amen. And it was like the whole, you know, the, the overwhelming ability to be content and have peace. Changes your physiological appearance. It changes the way you view life. Changes everything. And I tell you guys, this stuff, that, I mean, it, this is the stuff of life. It's the stuff of things that we're going through right now. And, um, you know, I, I believe that these are the kind of things... The spiritual lessons from the master that we have to learn and have takeaways here, because um, this is where the, this is where the adversary shows up. Okay, any comments on that? So his response to this is to use scripture to rightly think about what's going on and transform the way he thought about it. He says, um, "Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God." What's he talking about? Why this response? I mean, yeah, he uses scripture, but Go, beyond, go, go below that. Go beyond that. What are the words he's saying? And how does it affect the context of the, of, of the temptation that he's coming up against? Why these words? Okay? Food is something I want. And, and I would, if I went ahead and took that to, for myself, it would, I would be leaning fully into satisfying myself with something, right? As opposed to in the context right now, God hasn't chosen to give that to me today. Yeah. Christ is saying. So... So for me to lean fully into what? Yeah, Scripture. But what is Scripture? It's the Word of God. Scripture is the Word of God. Why is Scripture so important? It's because it's God's Word about what is truth. And so, how do we rightly think about a context? It's to bring truth to bear on the context. 
What does the Word of God say about this? Not what I feel, not what I think, because it really, at the end of the day, doesn't matter what I think and feel. It matters what God thinks and feels about this context in this situation for my life. You see how we get it so wrong? It's like, you know, well, I feel like the Lord's doing this in my world. What you're feeling goes contrary to what Scripture says. Excuse me. You know, let's unbundle this for a second. You know, is it more important for you to feel good or is it more important to, to, to understand what God's going to say about this situation? Huh? I know too. Yeah, absolutely. Bingo. Absolutely. So in this context, he doesn't want to move out from underneath God's sovereign hand on his life, which is in the wilderness without food. Am I okay with that? Yes, as Carl says. Yes, I'm okay with it. I've come to a place where I'm going to lean fully into you, and I want you more than I want a job. I want you more than I want food. I want you more than I want this thing that has been chosen at this point in time in my life as a single man, not to be given to me. Whatever that might be, I want you more than anything, than even to breathe. That's the whole point. See, see how that explains itself really well then? Okay? Mark, this is, I mean, if that, how do we know? Uh, that's know? that's the I next mean, one. Like, oh, that's the next yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Let's build on that, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> Okay, now we know. <laughs> At least now we know what the problem is, right? So, <clears throat> all right, let's go to the next one then. Next one here is, uh, you, you'll notice also this scope change. It's moving from personal to national, and the next one here will be universal. Um, universal. Uh, if you guys don't have the, the handout, uh, there's one in the back there. Just grab one if you don't have it. Oh, there. Yeah, if you didn't have it from last week. So the second one here is verses uh, 5 through 7. Please follow along with me. It says, Then the devil took him into the holy city, and he stood him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give charge, his angels charge over you, charge concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus replied to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Okay, so the the temptation here is, since you're the Son of God in our sarcastic way, (laughs) right? Since you're the Son of God, and in my here's, here's Mark's input, and since you used Scripture the last time on me, I'm going to use it on you. Satan uses Scripture. Get that. He uses Scripture, and we're going to see how subtle it is and how incredibly um, dangerous it is for us in making decisions in our life in this second temptation. Okay? Since you're the Son of God, throw yourself down... And the scriptures are written that before you get to the ground, those angels will you up. Now, was that an actual quote from the Old Testament? Yeah, it was. It was. It was a true quote. It was a true prophecy. So here's Satan using something true to tempt the Son of God. Okay? So the next thing I want to put here is that pride creates feelings or desires which seek to be independent from God's will. So, pride. We're, the, the one here is the boastful pride of life. The first one was the lust of the flesh. Boastful pride of life. So, pride of life is the second main big category of the three big types of, of, of temptations that each one of us will interact on, interact with on this earth. One, two, or three of these, at least one of these is going to have um, a, a stranglehold 
could, could it, it has more of an opportunity to have a stranglehold in your life, probably. Um, each one of us have a different um, place of affection here. The pride creates feelings or desires that want to do what? Move us outside of God's will. To take things into our own hands. Okay? Follow me? Second point here is, to put God to the test is to doubt Him. He says here, um, he says, uh, the answer, he says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So somehow Satan is bringing um, a test before him that somehow was really important for him to, to, to be tested with. And it has to do with this pride issue. And it, uh, to doubt God is to put him in a precarious position contrary to the whole counsel of God for our own self-seeking purposes. Okay? So, so uh, to put God in, in a test or in a tested situation is, or a precarious situation is, is for us to, um, is to position our, uh, ourselves against the whole counsel of God um, uh, for our own self-seeking purposes. Now, how that manifests itself in our life is uh, taking things into our own hands before and, and going before God versus letting Him go before us. And in this context, maybe even using Scripture to do it with. Maybe even using Scripture to do it with. Can you think of an example that this might show in our life? Well, you know, a lot of people are impatient. Okay. They want everything. Okay. They think they have a sin with credit cards. Okay. I know. Okay. Now that 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 could fall in any one of the three of these, depending upon what's behind that that desire. Could be here. Could be the next one we'll get to, which is uh, lust of the eyes. Okay. Um, or it could be d- tied to pride. Um, you know, I'll give you an example of my own life. I mean, I, I was um, pursuing. I, I, my job wasn't going well at work. Should have been first clue, right? Um, second clue was. Um, Oh, you can get this great, great, phenomenal job in, in Colorado. Um, you know, great promotion, lots of money, you know, all this stuff, right? And, uh, um, you know, so, you know, job yours if you want it kind of thing. So, you know, went out, checked it out, you know, really, really wanted to do it. Um, yet my family, everybody around me, um, fellow elders, everything else said, you know, have a caution here. My, my, my family didn't want to go at all. So, you know, I mean, I don't, I, you know, is that going to be a difficult decision for me? Yeah, it was really difficult because I was, uh, it was a phenomenal position for me to move into. I mean, I really wanted it. And probably behind that was some, some pride also about moving up, you know, and doing all these things. And it was like, so, I mean, I struggled with this back in 2000 in a major way. And after thinking it through and going back to the Word of God and, and, and seeing what else does the Word of God say besides, you know, taking care of your family, right? Um, uh, I was brought to bear with truth about, you know, God's leading and, you know, my wife's needs and my children's needs and my responsibilities here and lots of things, right? And so, I mean, it, when I brought... Other things to the context that was going on, uh, and, and I used the Word of God to think rightly about about it. It, it, it was not a big um, decision. It, 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 it was a 
the decision was uh, needed to be made that I was going to stay. Um, and, and and that's not that's I mean don't superimpose that on somebody else's context about leaving or anything. Don't do that. Okay, I'm just explaining in my life, in my situation, what was going on and how God spoke to me after I understood what His Word said about some things in this context here. And I chose to stay, not having any job here. And not knowing exactly how God was going to work it out. I mean, I was still employed by Motorola, but I, I didn't know how God was going to work that out at all. I had no line of sight to that whatsoever. Um, yet, through that, it was just on the context, on the crucible of the moment from a context in the church here, of Jim's situation exploding. And so God um, had me here for a reason. And, and then it, um, at work... Within three weeks of that date, um, I had a call from a person who gave me an opportunity at work to have um, to be able to be in the position I have today. And I've learned uh, more than I ever could have any place else. Probably been paid twice as much as I would have gotten any place else, um, having stayed. I, and not that that's going to happen every time, but God is good, and He He's faithful when we want Him more than anything else. He is. Even if it was just in contentment and joy. I mean, that, that would be worth it all. Um, so, people are watching. You never know, you know. I mean, why you make decisions in your life? And, and in his context here, um, he explains how to rightly think about um, the situation, and it must arise from the totality of Scripture. And the point here is not taking it out of context. I mean, so many times we want to, we, we want to take it out of context because... Um, we want to do what we want to do, and we don't take the the full orb, full counsel of God into consideration when we make decisions. Uh, Michael, because so often God, because He has no oversight into the past, present, and future, He knows every detail about everything. And uh, last year we were praying for Dave Tulapa and his family because he has no sight. Bill had a way of getting downtown Chicago by himself which I think is very impressive. Uh, but printing, gold. And so we pray to give God the credit uh, that he deserves. Uh, anyhow, we were praying home, find a way to get to Chicago. Uh, we, uh, as it turned out, owner of the building decided to also rent it. So they're still there. And and I, just I amazing. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. So the... The, the, the word picture on this one here is instead of being under the umbrella and staying there, the word picture for this one is I'm walking side by side with the Lord, and yet I choose to go out in front of Him and let Him follow me. That's the picture here. It's His will, not mine. Or my will versus His. See the difference? We're walking side by side. He says, you know, let, let me carry your burden it, you know, together with you. And so we're walking side by side with the Lord, and yet in this context, I'm going to choose to kind of go out in front of Him because I know better. At least I I want what I want when I want it, right? Um, so you see you see see the point here? Yeah. There you go. And be around the curb. Yeah. And I could just. Oh, that's awesome. That. Yeah. The Amen. Seat. Amen. Passenger. And don't bark out orders, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, that's hard. It's been, through the years, it's been yeah. really a It's a great word picture. Mind, yeah. And i got to keep putting them back. Man. No wheels in the back seat. There's not even brakes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Um, so the next one here is universal. 
um, universal, and uh, it's the lust of the eyes. <clears throat> he says, uh, so, again, on the last one, just don't give me, I mean, don't, don't miss it, right? Satan uses scripture, and Christ says, yeah, but, right? So, in our lives, how do we do the yeah, buts in... In the, in, in the middle of the situation, in the context, you know, um, Connie brought up um, this point last week, and I just had put it in here so you can have it on, on record, right? Uh, so the first one is to stop what's going on. The second one is 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 the um, to pray. The third one is verse. The fourth one is obey. So stop what we're doing in the middle of the context. Pray about what's happening. Ask the Lord to put a perspective of a context in place around the situation instead of just seeing the situation. Now, what does what does scripture say about what's going on, right? Am I gonna am, am I gonna believe that somehow, you know, th- this atom within the universe is out of control? <laughs> is God sovereign or not? Um, well yeah he is. So okay, so let's let's unbundle this a little bit, right? And then last but not least, what does he say to do? Well then, do it. Trust. Have faith. Lean fully into. Um, lift him up. Have him be God. Um, that's all about what it is, right? Amen. So the last one here is uh, is universal in nature. He he doesn't just have a national test around the temple in Jerusalem. It's about the world. He says in verse eight. He says. And the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, fall, uh, all these things will I give to you if you fall down and worship me. Jesus said, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you, won't, you shall serve the Lord your God. Um, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. Angels came and ministered to him. So the, the, the lust of the eyes here is since you deserve it. You know, how many times have you heard that in, your, in the back of your mind? You know, since, since you really deserve it. <laughs> You know, since you're worthy of it, right? Um, I will give you the kingdoms of this world if you fall down and worship me. Now, I'm not going to go through it. You can look it up later. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, Ephesians 2.2. 2. Um, Satan, Satan had it to give to him. Um, he had it to give to him. Um, so he says, all these kingdoms I will give it to you if you fall down worth it. Now, he's not on this like really high hill, uh, mountain, you know, Tibet, someplace, whatever, and looking out over the kingdoms of this world that exist today. According to Luke, um, and you can look at this later, um, according to... Uh, according to Luke uh, chapter 4, he says, um, uh, he looked at all the kingdoms of the world through time. So it wasn't just what was on, on the plate today. But he took him back in time and took him forward in time. I believe against the the ruler stick or the yardstick uh, that Daniel talked about, which was you know Neb, uh, Babylon, Medo Persian, Greece, Rome, future kingdoms of this world, be it um, Antichrist and be it um, the Millennial Kingdom. I think he, he showed him the whole whole timeline, the whole thing. He said, "You you you bow down and worship me. I will give that to you." Um, so worship is is wanting or putting anything before God in our lives. This manifests itself in, uh, in our hearts when we look at a thing or a person to meet our deepest affections, aspirations, needs, thirsts, versus looking to God and God alone. We become who we worship. Um, the cost to, to, to buying into this or uh, uh, fulfilling it in our lives is, is that... Um, 
it neutralizes us for the for the sake of the kingdom. Completely neutralizes us. Why does it neutralize us? It's because uh, the kingdom of God and and Him alone are not uppermost in our affections. So we looked at before that we can't serve, we can't rightly have communion and intimacy with with someone where our hearts aren't fully aren't fully given to. In our own lives, if, if, we, if you're married, okay, um, hard to draw it here, but uh, if you have uh, your relationship, okay, with a person um, on one one side of this, and <clears throat> your heart is on another side of it, uh, commitment of your heart, right, from low to high, and your relationship with that person from low to high, um, it's directly proportional. Um, no matter if my heart is fully devoted to my wife, what intimacy with her will be at the highest level it ever, ever, ever will be. If my heart is divided, divided allegiances, divided heart, my wife, what my intimacy with her will be. Proportional. Does that make sense? So, it's the same way with the Lord. Same way with the Lord. If my heart is divided. If I, if I have, if I, if I'm leaning into multiple things as opposed to Him and Him only, my intimacy with Him and my communion with Him will be exact proportion directionally. And so, the point here is, temptation is: Do you want, do you want communion with God and God only, or do you want to worship? Bow down to have your heart somewhat divided against, you know, to Satan and to, and to God. That, that's that's the whole thing right there. And so, how does it manifest itself that, that we're neutralized? Do you think that we're neutralized in moving forward in my, in our in our relation in our marriages when, when this happens? It sucks the wind completely out of it, doesn't it? And yet, why would we think it's any different? In our, in our walk with the Lord. It's not. And the whole point of this particular one is the death blow to the adversary's temptation is when we choose to decide to worship the Lord and God and Him only. This can be done without anybody else even seeing. This can be done in the back room of your car, you know, back, in your back room when you have a temptation to do X, Y, Z. And you say, no, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that. Nobody else has to see it. Nobody has to know it. But you know what? My decision of intimacy with the Lord is, is a decision, decision to worship Him versus what that, that temptation is. Does that make sense? See, see how powerful that is? And if the quest of my, whole, my soul is to walk with the Lord and to experience Him, then anything else like this is, that, that throws a wrench in that is, is going to be detrimental. Right? Make sense? It's detrimental to my communion, my intimacy, and my fellowship with the Lord. My sins are forgiven as a believer in Christ. It's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about, do I, do I commune with him? Is there any blockage in, in, in the process? Okay. So, the, the point here is not following another. <laughs> if, if this one was, don't go out from underneath here, and the second one was, don't go out in front, right? The last one here is, you know, am I in the right car? <laughs> am I 
am I in the right car? You know, the person driving, you know, am I in the right car? Right? See the picture? Um, if you're not, get in the right car. You know, stay in the right car. Don't keep you jumping out of the right car. Uh, let him drive uh, and worship him only. Okay. Any comments, questions? You know, God leads, followed, and obeyed, and then Satan fled, which is just, you know, in absolutely James, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from absolutely in our obedience. Absolutely. From the little things to the big absolutely. things. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, don't miss verse 11. Um, and uh, it's amazing. Then the le- devil left him. So the, the, the verse that um, Connie brought up here is, is uh, James chapter uh, 4, verse 7. Um, and it's, uh, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So that is, that is what will happen. It will occur that way. And when I asked my question before, it's the intimate, intimate relationship with God that I am able to follow. Exactly. If that's not happening, then I'm usually out on my own. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> And that's why this picture right here is so crucial. And it has application, like I said, um, in our will. Yeah. Here's a question. When it's, it, it said in here that the uh, uh, was ministered to him, but what does that mean? I believe that probably they brought him food. <laughs> oh, they, uh, Somehow yeah. brought him. They 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 ministered to his physiological needs that yeah. existed after 40 days without. I think. Okay, uh, please turn with me to James then. Um, we're going to move into the nature of temptation um, and uh, cover that. And then we're going to look at uh, um, another couple things in, as to the nature of temptation in, in Corinthians. So turn with me to James chapter uh, 1, verses 13 through 16. Someone want to read that really quick for me? James 1, 13 through 16. Hey, when he is tempted... God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and else does not tempt us. The lust has conceived, and us is bring not be deceived, my Okay, um, so, what I wanted to do was to, uh, well, uh, got to get some out. Yeah. But if you, if you don't have one, just your other page over and right on the back, or there's some more papers up here if you want to draw it out yourself. Um, so I want to look at this and, um, uh, kind of talk about this process or the nature of temptation. Um, he says, first of all, let's start with verse 13. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. Uh, what does that mean then? Okay. Can't shift, the Can't shift the blame. God is not one, based upon uh, verse um, 17, that, uh, that, that, uh, is the one to do the tempting. Now, God led Christ into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. So, does God sometime arch- sometime does God architect all events in such a way that either allows Satan to do something mm-hmm. or actually causes him to do something? Yeah, it, yeah, he does. But he does it for his his good purposes. It's for his his glory. Okay, hold that thought because we're going to cover that today. That's a good point. Um, good point. Okay, so the, there's this thing called the lure that comes in. Verse, uh, um, he says, and he himself does not tempt anyone. Verse 14. But each one, each person, is tempted uh, when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. 
So, uh, this lure uh, is 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 uh, is something that is built off of um, lust, um, and lust here is just natural desires. That's all it means is natural desires. It's not there's nothing there's nothing wrong with these lusts. In fact, this word is also used of a person who lusts after the office of elder. That's not a wrong thing to do. It's just a, pa- it's a it's passionate longing. It's a desire. It can be good or bad. In this context, it's bad. Um, but when this lust has conceived, it, it, it gives birth to sin. Okay, so when you follow this along, the lure, um, the question is, is the lure comes across, across in front of us. Think of ourselves as like fish for a second, right? A fish is just like doing its thing, you know, in the water, right? And he has no idea that attached to this, like, lure uh, that comes floating by him that looks just like a lot of other things he's, he's gone after, right? That somehow this thing's got, like, a string attached to it. It goes up to the top, and this fish is going, like, I can't quite figure that all out, you know, but there's this lure in front of me, right? Well, same kind of concept in, in our lives as believers. You know, there, there's a string attached to these lures in, a, in our life. Um, the string is held by the demonic world, and, and the adversary. And sometimes he he paints those lures in such a way that they're nice and shiny um, based upon the kinds of things that we have affections for that maybe God hasn't chosen to give to us at this time. Follow me? So that's what's happening. And the question is, when it goes flying by, do we track on it? What does that mean? No? Dwell on it. Dwell on it. We, we pay attention to it. So, many things go flying by our, our, our noses every day, right? And, and if you're like me, I mean, it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't track on too many things at all. It's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just like oblivious to lots of stuff, right? So, at least my wife would tell me that. Um, but it's, this thing goes by, and, and, and the point here is like, when it goes by, our, our eyes follow it. That's the point. Our eyes start to follow it. That's tracking on it. Follow me? Okay. The next thing here is, 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 is we track on it. Yes. Now the temptation's starting. Now the temptation's starting. And the qu- next question is, do we pursue it? This is the point Marlene brought up. So now, after moving from just going by me to tracking on it to now going from where I am and going towards that thing in the water. Okay. I'm tracking on it now. Follow me. Got the picture. Okay. The point now is when I pursue it, when I pursue it, okay, it becomes sin. He says here, then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Um, so we're going to look at sin. It says when when the pursuit of this is accomplished, when sin is accomplished, the, the word accomplished here means agreed to. When sin is agreed to. When sin is agreed to, it brings forth death. So, sin here is it begins when we make a decision to pursue it, okay? And it may or may not, we may or may not actually acquire or lay hold of the catch, but it has laid hold of us. See, you see when it changes and becomes sin? It's, it's not when we catch it, it's when it catches us. That's, that's the thing. That's the point. Okay? So, so, uh, it begins when we make the decision to pursue here. Yes. No. 
Yes. Okay. And when and when it, and when and we may or may not actually go uh, achieve getting getting the thing we went after. Doesn't matter. It got us. Follow me. And it says here that that um, when it is um, complete, it says. Uh, uh, when it's accomplished, when it's when it's agreed to, it brings forth death. So death actually is the product, okay, or the result of our choice. The product or the result of our choice. The final product produced by the process that goes beyond this particular bu- uh, question here. Am I going to pursue it? Point here is that 100% of the time it's going to end up where? Death. Now, what kind of death are we talking about for a believer? For a non-believer, death here is spiritual death, eternal death, and physical death, right? I mean, physical death is going to be a part of our makeup no matter what happens, right? So what kind of death are we talking about here? Certainly not eternal death for a believer, right? But death here is this existential death. It's the, it's the death of fellowship. It's the death of communion. It's a death of, of, of intimacy. So every time I choose to pursue it here, on this chart here, um, it does what? Pushes it down like this. Then we move to out of, out of the context, out of the umbrella. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we looked at it. It says that, you know, tre- uh, uh, difficult are the ways of those who, are, who, who, who go outside the borders, outside boundary conditions that God lays down. Life's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. Yeah. Amen. Yep. Yep. And he's going to provide his discipline on his children, too. Not going to let that go. At all, and the worst case, the, but but the, the but the worst value statement, the worst value statement. What's the opposite of death? So up here is life, <laughs> down here is what? Death. Follow me. It's directly proportional. Directly proportional. So the quality of life is going to be directly proportional to to, to me making the difficult decisions in my life to want something which is God more than. Than I, what things I want there. Okay. Now the, the interesting thing, point here is like I have two options here to, to bug out of this process. Two options here. Two two decision points. In, in, in a flow chart, a diamond is a decision point. So that's a that's a decision point that 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 that, that we're made. I took you down the yes chart, right? Follow me. So let's take a look here at if I said no. If I chose to say no. Um, in order to say no, I have to put on the glasses, right? I have to put on the glasses here that allow me to understand the context that's going on, and the glasses that bring truth to bear on the ver- on the verses of the Word of God about what's really happening, and do I really want death in my life? You know, when most people, when they come to grips with the choice of life and death, you know, de- death isn't a fun thing. You know, it's not it's not a fun thing. It's like painful. It's Lack of joy, contentment, peace—you name it. You know, it's not—it's not—it's not something that I really want to spend a lot of time in. Um, most people want want life. Most believers would want to have uh, a free and open communication with the Lord and walking with Him day by day. But 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 somehow we've conned ourselves into believing that we could make this call right here and still get life. Can't. So, we can track on it, we can put the right glasses on it, and we can say no. Say no to sin. 
We can start right, we can do it right when it goes flying by, and so my head doesn't go from where I'm at to to looking at it and, and following it. That's one time I can say no, right? And the second time I can say no is when I go to pursue it. When I go to pursue it, I can still say no. You know, that I started, oh, you know, that's not something I want to be involved in. I'm going to make it just sit to bug out. It's still not sin. Follow me? But when it gets me versus me trying to get it, that's when sin occurs. Does that make sense? So the last point here is uh, do not be deceived. He says, verse uh, 7, 16, he says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Don't be deceived. Not be deceived. Okay, I'm going to run through the next one really quick, too. Turn, turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Okay. It says, verse uh, 13. So this is what Marlene brought through further earlier. I'm going to do 13 and 14. No temptation has taken you, but such as is common to men. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape. Also that you may be able to endure it, or bear it, or go through it, or handle it. Verse 14. Don't disconnect 14 from 13. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee from idolatry. So, really quickly here, um, this whole box here is what I'm able to handle. Okay? And what we see here is that coming in, Satan exists. He's, he's out there, and in this situation, temptation is coming at me in multiple ways, in multiple sources. It's floating by me, some I don't even recognize, some I track on. Some I have a t- tough decision to make a, make a pursuit or no on. Okay? And down here, what you're going to find is that the providence and sovereignty of God is that box around my life. It is a hedge of protection around my soul. And God is the one that owns what goes through or what doesn't go through. Nobody else owns that. God is the one in His sovereign character and nature that allows anything into that box. Okay? And so when you look at this, you see temptation going through and being allowed into my into my into the context of my of my life, and so that comes through there. And I have a I have a dis- decision to make. I'm in those green boxes on the on, on, on the on the page before. Yes, no. Yes, no. Okay. Yes, no. But he says what here? He says absolutely that there is this um, way of escape. There's a, there, there's a way to get out of the, the yellow zone and not go to a red zone, but go to a green zone. And that way of escape has been architected by God. It's in every single temptation that ever gets into the box. And therefore, it is, it, it is an opportunity for us to take. Okay? And so, what I want to do here, how do, you, how do you do that in your life? Well, first of all, avoid pride. First of all, avoid pride. It's kind of interesting that these verses before here are talking about how pride manifests itself in the nation of Israel. He says, These things have been written for you as an example for our instruction and for the ages to come. How do we make good decisions? It's understanding truth, understanding what's gone on in the past. And there's no there's nothing different by from anybody else. We are not unique. Um, others have endured the exact same thing in their lives and have come through it. And you know what? Lots of others have endured the same kind of thing and not gone through it. And by the way, we have a great high priest who has been tempted in all ways like us and has resisted 
those temptations and therefore provides us a guidebook or, or um, uh, an ability to know what are the right things to do. Because he didn't give in. Follow me? Next, God is faithful. Know that God is faithful. He is faithful. He is completely faithful. He will not allow anything into this box that is not for what? One, our ability to develop something, a character trait that that doesn't exist in our life. Or number two, we've got that developed and we can actually display his glory by saying no to sin and therefore uh, uh, heightening or or, or, or taking his, his, the glory of his name through testimony of our lives and our character to a level that's much higher today than it was in the moment of the, of the testing. Make sense? Um, next is that God is sovereign. He's sovereign. He is the one that, that, that architects my contexts and what's going on in my life. And therefore, I can trust his sovereign hand in my life. The next one here is that there, 100% of the time, always, there is a way of escape. Always a way of escape. And if that's the case, then um, we are always accountable. (laughs) We are always accountable. Do not go blaming God for the context of your situation. What you should do is be able to start asking some difficult questions of my own soul, which is, what does God, what's God trying to do in me? What's he trying to do in me first? And if he's not me, then what's he trying to do through me? Those are the two questions. Those are the two questions that I have to be asking myself. And um, last but not least here is, we are not victims. We are not victims. We are not victims here. The point here is that believers cannot ever, ever, ever say, I couldn't handle it. They can never, ever, ever, ever say, um, I couldn't, um, it it was too strong. The temptation was too strong. Can't get can't get away with it anymore. Truth is in your in your lap. You are now accountable and responsible for the truth that's brought forward today. And the great news is, it's not a matter of couldn't. It's what wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't. So now I'm accountable, um, and that's what the scriptures tend to do in our lives: <laughs> is put the ball where it should be, which is in our own lives. So what 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 makes us uh, have to really? Uh, uh, be prepared for these things. Well, next time we get together, we're going to talk about the doors that demonic world uses in our life. What how, are, are there? Are, are some of the doors open in my life? How do I know what those are so I can recognize them and slam them shut, keep them from um, even having a key, <laughs> throw the key away? You know, um, in my life, makes sense. Well, last but not least, as as we just said a second ago, uh, turn back to James chapter four. Now, I want to leave you with this one, which is uh, the last verse in this group of verses that were uh, that we talked about here. Would uh, um, got chapter four, um, verse seven comes on the backdrop of verse six, which, interestingly enough, we talked already is is the core component of where sin comes from, which is pride. He says, "God is opposed to the proud, but he what? He gives grace to the humble." Therefore, verse 7, submit therefore to God. Um, resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do you do that? Verse 8, beginning of verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This is the whole point we've been talking about all, ever since day one. I guarantee you, when you care about making this, these dots here go the farthest to the top right corner, experiencing life, 
making the tough, difficult decisions in my life when nobody else can see them, and you want him more than you want anything else, then you know what? The devil's going to flee from you because intimacy with God is taken to a level that's highest we can be experiencing. And, and so he says, draw near to God, turn your eyes on Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow, what? Strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen? Would somebody like to close in prayer? Anybody? Father God, uh, for you, and uh, notice that uh, in our lives, uh, our aspects, at least I am, in the desert, buddy, and very meaningful message and building block for our struggles and uh, others by you and the kingdom. Amen. Well, go with God today. Have a great day. Mother's Day. Remember remember to tell her how much you appreciate her. And last but not least, I just want to make a, make a note that says that um, uh, all the audio transcripts from our time together are starting to be loaded up on the web, so you can get to them through the web the URL homepage if you'd like. So um, you can get them and pull them down and listen to them on your own or put them on your iPod if you want. So uh, there's a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. Not all of them since the very beginning, but there's probably eight, nine weeks in there now. So And they'll be in there going forward. So thank you, everybody. Appreciate it. Have a great day.